Mud Stories, Episode 42. Your mercy floods my tired soul as you lift me out of my muddy hole. You wash me up with your sweet grace and you lead me to a safer place again. I was just this desperate, part-time working mom who just wanted to be a better wife and a better mother and not live in this mess, this mud. And now this was my way out. And it was because of God's word and because of his character that I knew that I could begin to trust him. Hi, my name is Jackie Watkins, your host, and you're listening to Mud Stories, a podcast dedicated to bringing you inspiration in your muddiest moments, hope to make it through your mud, and encouragement for you to know that you are not alone. Hey friends, welcome back to the Mud Stories podcast. And if this is the first time you're joining us here, I want to extend an extra special welcome to you. I'm so glad you chose to click on this podcast and join us for a Mud Story. And I have a wonderful episode for you today. Today I'm talking with Wendy Blight, a speaker and Bible study teacher, who is also an attorney, a wife, and a mother of two, who resides with her family in North Carolina. Now, Wendy's story really has given birth to a passion that she just can't be more excited about, and that is that she loves to teach women about the Bible to really understand what it says and apply it to their daily lives. And Wendy is not only a teacher and a speaker, but she is an author of two books, one called Living So That, Making Faith-Filled Choices in the Midst of a Messy Life. And that's what Mud Stories is all about, right? We are in the middle of messes. But she also has written her personal story in a memoir entitled Hidden Joy in a Dark Corner, The Transforming Power of God's Story. Now, besides those two books, Wendy also is the author of numerous Bible studies, and she leads them in her community where she lives and also online, and she'll tell you more about that in the middle of our conversation. But in this episode, Wendy shares so candidly and transparently and poignantly about her mud story of sexual assault and rape. And she describes the fear which paralyzed her for years, almost over a decade of fear and anxiety. And she goes on to share the details of that journey from that place toward complete healing, both from fear, but also from unforgiveness and bitterness that was a prison to her for so long. Now, because it was the Bible and her reading God's word that really helped her in her journey toward healing. Wendy and I discuss the way the Bible can really help us know about the character of God, how Bible scriptures can tell us about God's promises to us, and how we can partner with God to overcome our mud. Because so many times we just cry out to God and ask him to make it all better, but really he wants a relationship with us. God wants us to partner with him as we overcome the mud that we've faced. 
Wendy describes what we can do today to learn more about how the Bible can help us in really practical ways, how we can forgive even when we've been hurt so badly that honestly, we really don't even want to. And she shares some resources and steps that we can take today to begin to connect with God in ways that we may have not connected with him before. And I will say this story of Wendy's is not an easy one, yet I love how it's an amazing example of how God can take anything meant for our harm and bring good from it and use it for us to give something back to the world. And that's exactly what Wendy is doing. And I can't wait for you to hear all about it straight from her. And so it's my prayer today that you'd be inspired and changed and become closer to God because of Wendy's story. Enjoy. Hi, Wendy. Welcome to the Mud Stories podcast. I'm so thrilled you could join me today. Oh, thank you, Jackie. I've been really looking forward to it. Thanks for including me. Oh, I've I've loved that you said yes. and I'm so very glad you're here. But I don't really know you very well. And so I thought it'd be fun if you'd just take a moment and tell us a little bit about your family and where you live and what you love to do. Well, let's see. Uh, I could start a little bit with background because we live in Charlotte, North Carolina now, but we moved here from Dallas, Texas, and I'm a Texas native. So <laughs> um, I go everywhere in cowboy boots from about September to May, <laughs> and even sometimes in the summer. I love it. And But we live in Charlotte now and have lived here for, I think, 16 or 17 years. And I have an amazing husband who was my very first boyfriend and I've dated since we were freshmen in college Okay, and two children, Lauren, who is 21 and goes to the University of Georgia and going to graduate soon. And my son, Bo, is 17. I just can't believe that. He wow. is a junior and 6'6 six, six and loves to play basketball. 6'6? Six, six. Wendy, <laughs> so I tall. I have a son who's 6'4. He's 19, but 6'6, six, six, that is so tall. Love it. <laughs> basketball, I'm sure he excels at. Wow. God made him to play that game. So he's, it, people ask him how, why he's so tall because we um, none of us are really super tall. My husband's six one, but yeah. uh, and I'm probably five seven and shrinking. Mm. But what's so funny is he says my mom prayed it to be because I did. I knew he loved <laughs> basketball, and I would just pray for God to give him everything he needed, including height. So oh, I love that. it. I love it. Now you also are trained as an attorney. Yes. Yes. I did. I went to Southern Methodist. I went to Baylor University undergrad and then SMU law school, but no longer practiced law. Didn't love it very much. No. What kind of law did you do? I started with environmental and then quickly moved over to employment. Okay. Law, did litigation. Okay. But I loved the actual being in the books and having the cases, but I didn't like the actual practice of law and doing depositions and appearing in court. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that could be problematic when you're an attorney if you don't like that, right? (laughs) So you were privileged to get to stay with your kids as they grew. Yes. Yes, I did. I, when we moved here, I quit practicing law and um, took a part-time job at Proverbs 31, which is, was such a blessing and um, was able to work three days a week and be home when my kids got home from school. And so I really, I've had the experience of being a full-time working mom as a lawyer and um, being a part-time working mom. And really now 
I guess I would say I'm a full-time mom, but I can work. I do work out of my house. I don't have to go to an office very often. So that's good. That's wonderful. Well, I think it's such a blessing to be able to have those experiences because it helps us relate to so many different people. And, you know, there are seasons in life that facilitate us working or working part-time or working full-time or not at all. And I love that you've experienced all of that. Yeah, a little bit of everything. <laughs> yeah, <is that>? yeah. <laughs> Oh, well, Wendy, here at Mud Stories, we discuss our mud. And I know that there's not one person in this whole wide world who hasn't been through some mud here or there. And sometimes our mud is because of choices we've made, but other times it's the result of some circumstances beyond our control. And I know one summer day back in 1986, that became reality for you. So would you share with us what life looked like for you that summer and then take us back to what happened that particular day that changed everything and threw you straight into the mud? Well, let's see. My summer was going to begin wonderfully because I had just graduated from Baylor University a few days before this day you're referring to happened. And I had an amazing four years at Baylor. I as I said, I met the man I'm now married to and pledged a sorority and worked for the university and traveled around representing the school and recruiting for the school. I was a Baylor beauty. I had been on the homecoming court. I, I just had a most amazing experience. And then I passed candle in my sorority and you know, <laughs> got engaged and oh. graduated. My whole family came. And then a few days after graduation, we were all together for the last weekend before a lot of my friends were going to leave to go to graduate school or new jobs. And we just spent the day together by the pool and we were all going to go out together that night for one last sort of goodbye and dinner together. And I stayed out as long as I possibly could because I was starting a new job on Monday in Waco working for the university in their development office. And so I finally decided I better hurry up so I can be ready to go to dinner. Yeah. And I walked into, came in through the back entrance of my apartment, which was a sliding glass door facing the pool. And I walked towards the front of the apartment, towards the front door, which would face the parking lot. And I turned the corner to walk up the stairs and I had my head down, sort of thinking of all those things girls think about, you know, what am I going to yeah. wear? And if I got to wear my hair curly or straight today, <laughs> and, um, with Texas humidity, it was always going to have to be curly. And, um, <laughs> When I looked up about three steps from the top, I encountered a masked man wearing hunting gloves and holding a very large knife in his hand. And when I first saw him, what came out of my mouth even was, who is this? This isn't funny. Almost mm. as if I really thought it was a joke because mm. you just can't imagine walking in and seeing that in your house. And the moment he grabbed my arm and yanked me, I knew that it wasn't a joke. Mm. But then as I walked down the stairs, he was pushing me and leaning, leading me down the stairs. I thought, okay, I know now that I just felt like he, he's just looking for money or he mm -hmm. is um, maybe wanting um, to hide from someone. But right. then he began to walk me around my apartment and uh, close all the blinds and windows, make sure all the doors were locked. And at that point, all of a sudden, terror just began to rise mm -hmm. in me that I knew he was going to stay. And then he made me take the phone off the hook and walked me back towards the stairs. Oh, Wendy. 
And you had just left the pool with your friends. So the pool was just not even very far away. Right. When I went to that back sliding glass door, I I really wanted to, um, you know, wave my hands or scream or do anything for anybody that was left by the pool. But in reality, there were a very few out there and no one was looking up in my direction. And so when we got back to the stairs, he began to push me up the stairs and I tried then to push back. And he slammed me against the wall and he said, don't do that again. And he held the knife right next to my neck. And so Mm -hmm. I continued to walk obediently up the stairs and then we went towards my room. And then as he pushed me in my room and pushed me towards my bed, it was at that point that I realized that he was now between the door and I knew right in that very moment what was about to happen to me. And um, so at that point, he then asked me to take off my clothes and get on the bed. Hmm. And I obeyed everything from that point on. And it was um, when I got on that bed, it's like terror just filled me from the top of my head to the tips of my toes, like anything I'd ever known. But what I say at the same time is it was as if I was not in my body Um, It was almost as if at that point, something, I felt like I was looking down on myself. And I, and I, to this day, feel like that's something the Lord, I've talked to other victims of crime and it's almost like the Lord does that to you so that you are, as Beth Moore says, there's a place in you that no one can ever touch. And I almost wondered if it was like this supernatural experience. And then I just began to cry, which made him so angry. And he then just proceeded to spend that afternoon, sexually assaulting me. And then when he was finished, he just climbed off of me and he knelt down next to my bed and got very close to my face and held the knife next to me. And he just said, I'm about to leave. Count to 100 before you get up. And if you tell anyone what I've done, I'll come back and do worse to you. And then he just, he walked out of the door of my bedroom and out of my apartment, never to be seen again. And so you obeyed. You counted to 100, I'm sure. I did. And when I got to 100, I grabbed my towel from off the floor Mm -hmm. and I creeped down the stairs for fear that he was not fully gone and waiting for me. But once I got down there and grabbed the front door, I pulled it open and I I ran outside Mm -hmm. and I ran down to where my fiance and his three roommates lived and, and they were there and one of them stayed with me while Monty and the other one ran looking for him. I don't remember what I said. They said I didn't make a lot of sense, but they heard a few words that angered them and <laughs> worried them. But mm-hmm. he, he was long gone. Was he there for hours? Did you miss dinner? I mean, no. did they? It was probably ended <sighs> up being about an hour and a half to two hours, is my probably about an hour. <sighs> yeah, maybe an hour and a half from beginning to end. As you've talked to victims of this kind of violence, is is every attacker different? I mean, do they, some of them don't talk at all. Some of them do talk a lot. I mean, I'm, I'm just imagining as you're having this out-of-body experience, there's all kinds of thoughts that are happening in those hours while the event's happening. And it just, I mean, I, I'm guessing you're just begging and waiting for it to be over. <laughs> 
Yeah, I'll be very honest with you. I really don't remember very much, and I and I praise God for that. Yeah. I I can tell you that there are times when I will have a flashback, or times in my own marriage when I've had a flashback mm-hmm. a long time ago. Not anymore. Yeah. But other than that, I don't remember very much, um, except for I just remember being terrified. And you're right, just not being able to wait till it's over. And I do think. The stories are very different, but I hear the same comment from a lot of women that you don't remember very many specifics. Mm-hmm. I know sometimes some are more cruel. Sometimes some mm-hmm. are more. I was I was very fortunate. Everything was threatened to me, but I was never cut. I was never yeah. beaten. I was mm-hmm. none of those things. Yeah. I was threatened a lot. Yeah, I've had another guest who experienced rape here on our podcast and um, just such devastating violation. I mean, just so, so hard. Um, so obviously after this happened, life changed for you. It changed a lot because I entered into my apartment that day, this girl full of joy and hope and Mm -hmm. newly engaged and so excited about life. And when I walked out of my apartment that day, I was devastated and um, terrified and Mm -hmm. angry and bitter and resentful and angry with God. And basically, every bit of life that was in me, I felt like was just gone and everything seemed dark. So as you moved forward in those months that followed, you entered graduate school, you were engaged to be married. What did life look like for you walking forward? For the first few months, um, it was very hard. And, and because I had, I worked for the university for a year, we were engaged a separate, separate from each other. My husband had moved to Dallas, my fiance, I mean, had moved to Dallas for a job. And so I had to be taken care of a lot by my sweet roommates. I couldn't be alone. I didn't want to enter any empty places. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't take a shower by myself for about three months unless someone stayed in the shower with like, not in the shower with me, but in the yeah. bathroom with me. Yeah. And, um, I wouldn't go up a flight of stairs and my job required me to travel. So have a sorority sister of mine in the same job with me and we traveled together and she was so understanding. So it was a very, it was just a really hard time. And I was so dependent on everyone because I was just mm-hmm. always afraid. And then we got married And I tell you that I began to function well from the outside world. Okay. And I think you've probably had people say that before who've suffered Mm -hmm. all sorts of tragedies. Um, You function well in the outside world because you have to. Yeah. But on the inside, I still lived in terror. And when we got married and moved to Dallas, I... My husband, anytime he would have to travel, I would have to stay alone by myself. And I couldn't stay alone by myself. So I would either go stay with friends or they would come and stay with me. And that went on for, I I mean, I would have to say for several years. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the process of all of this, I really ha- had great questions for God. Yeah, I, I can was, imagine. I grew up Catholic. I grew up believing in God and I um, had a Bible, never really opened it very much, but I had one and I believed in who he was and I went to mass. And then at Baylor, I would go to 
we went to a Baptist church because that's a Baptist school and that's what you do. At <laughs> um, so, I mean, you know, I had a, I had a, a background and so I knew who God was. Yeah. And so I really had these three thoughts come across my mind because I was really desperate to understand how a God who loved me so much could have let this happen, who could have sat on his throne in heaven and watched what was done to me and, and stopped it. And the questions I had was either there is a God but he is totally absent, you know, like he's not all powerful. He created us, but he's just not interested in our lives. And if that's the case, what good is he? Like he was checked out that day. Right. Well, (laughs) it's just like he created us, but then he's not around. And then the second one is that we have a God who loves us, who did create us. And eventually he will come back here, but he left earth right now and good and evil, there's just good and evil and they play themselves out. And one day he'll come back and with that, with that, the question is then why, why should we go to God? Like if he has a hands-off approach, if he right. can't help us, then what's the point? Yeah. And then the last one was there is a God who loves me very, very much. And for some reason, he allowed me to walk through this, but there will be a purpose on the other side. And that last scenario came from good friends that were Christians at Baylor who would tell me things I didn't want to hear at the time and I didn't understand, like, Wendy, God works all things together for good. Hmm. He will use this for good in your life. And it sounds kind of trite when you're in pain. <laughs> exactly. And when you don't know those truths, when you don't yeah. understand them, like mm-hmm. now I look back and I love to teach on them, but I wouldn't throw them at somebody who really didn't know a lot about the Bible. Mm-hmm. I would just tell the journey and then they can see how I came to understand what those people said. But thankfully, they said those things that that at least gave me a place where I landed because that sounded the best to me. Mm-hmm. That went the best with the God that I semi knew. Right. And that began a journey and it just finally brought me to a place of complete freedom and healing from fear and unforgiveness and bitterness. So Jackie, one of the first big places where God began to bring his Hebrews 4.12, living in active word alive, is when I went to meet with my pastor of the church I went to, which was Highland Park United Methodist Church in Dallas. And he literally had been our pastor for two weeks. And I sat in the sermon that day, his second sermon he preached, I think. And as I was sitting there, I began to feel like, oh my gosh, I need to go talk to this man. And it wasn't anything in particular he said. It was almost just like a sense that I needed to go see him. And so I made a phone call Monday morning and said to his secretary, hi, my name is Wendy Blight, and I would like to make an appointment with Pastor Craig. And I I thought for sure I wasn't going to get an appointment because here I am. He's a pastor of this church. It's 10,000 people. It's the second largest United Methodist church in the world um, next to it. I think it was a Korean church. (laughs) But but I, I promise you it was two days later, and he called me back himself and said, I would love to meet with you. How about I think it was Thursday or Friday. I remember the day. Now, how long after the event, how many years has it been? I don't remember exactly how many years, but it was several. So several several years of fear and anxiety and panic attacks and all of these things you're struggling with. And so, okay, so Pastor Craig calls you and you met with him. Yep. I went, I showed up, I brought my Bible because that's what you're supposed to do when you go see a pastor. (laughs) And, um, 
And so, and I shared all the things we've talked about. Mm -hmm. And mostly I said, I want my old life back. I'm Mm -hmm. so tired of not sleeping. And when I do sleep, having nightmares and going to the emergency room with a racing heart rate and Mm. just being so fearful all the time. That was my life. When I worked in a law firm and I wouldn't even be on an elevator alone, if a man was on the elevator alone, I would get off. Like if I got on with the group, got on with the group of women, I would, and they got off, I would get off and get back. And I worked on the 50th floor. So sometimes it would take me a long time to get up to the office because of my fear. Yeah. And that's not how God wants us to live. And as I was sharing my story, he interrupted me and he said, Wendy, I want to read a story from scripture with you. He goes, but I want you to read it to me. And it was from John chapter five. And it was the story of the invalid who had been on a mat Mm -hmm. for 38 years, I think is how long he was there. And that Jesus came along and Jesus was talking to him. And then Jesus said to him, as he approached him at the pool, he said, do you want to get well to that man? Mm. And in my mind and out loud, unfortunately, I said, why did he ask Jesus that question? That's a stupid question. Of course he wanted to get well. (laughs) And my pastor just looked at me and he smiled at me and he said, why don't you just finish reading Wendy? And I Mm. said, (laughs) stomach sunk down. And, um, And as I finished reading, the man made an excuse. He kept saying, well, I want to go in, but this and this and this. And then Jesus just looked at the man, didn't address any of excuses. And he said, get up, pick up your mat and walk. Mm -hmm. And the man did. And my pastor looked at me and he looked in my eyes and he said, Wendy, do you want to get well? And again, but I didn't say it out loud. I wanted to go, of course I do. Because that's why, <laughs> why do you think I'm here? <laughs> exactly. And so Pastor Craig said, Wendy, I don't think you do. Meaning I don't think you want to get well. Mm. And I, you know, I wanted to look at him and say, yes, I do. That's why I'm here. And But I very, instead very respectfully said, well, yes, I want to get well. That's why I'm here. And he said, Wendy, I don't think you do. Um, you have lived in this prison of fear and self-pity that you have created. And you've remained in that place. And he said, what's worse, you've become comfortable there. And you know, Jackie, mm. what's so funny is everything in me you think would want to be so angry. Who? How dare you? How dare you after what I've been through, right? And he doesn't even know me. But yet in my heart, it was almost like something just grabbed me. And I know that I know that I know it was that God's word coming alive, like his word says Mm. in Hebrews 4.12, because right after I got that sense in my heart, he said, God has so much more for your life, Wendy. And he said, he died on the cross to give you this full and abundant life. And he said, as long as you stay on that mat, you will never experience that abundant life. Mm. And He then said, I want to pray with you, but more than that, I want to ask you to take one practical step off your mat. Take one step off your mat. And I did that. And I went home and I made a commitment the next time my husband traveled to stay home by myself. And I went through a little That's a practical step. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's a big practical step. Yes. And it was a step that I needed to take. And so um, I always called a friend and had them tell to tell her, you know, that I was going to be by myself. And that began a tradition. Every time I 
made an attempt to stay by myself that I would call someone and I put every light inside, outside, put on our alarm, TVs all over, looked under beds, looked in closets, even looked in washers and dryers. <laughs> but you know, um, I found a verse, Second Timothy, uh, gosh, I can't remember what it was, I think 1-7, I, I'm not, yeah, Second Timothy 1-7, for God hasn't given a spirit of fear, but mm. of power, love, and a sound mind. Didn't really know what it meant, but I knew it said I wasn't supposed to have fear. And, um, and I did it. I stayed by myself that night. Did I sleep? No, but I did it. And that was such a huge, huge thing for me. And it was all because I believed God at his word, that his word spoke to me that day. It spoke to me. Do you want to get well? And if you want to get well, you just have to get up off your mat and walk. So that was one of those huge moments in life where I thought this Bible that I always thought was just a storybook is truly a book that is meant to speak into my life today. It is a living word Mm -hmm. of God and it is active, meant to make change in our lives. And I want to encourage people listening, Jackie, I really do. Every time I share this story, women come up to me afterwards giving me their first steps they're going to take because the choice is ours. And like the invalid in the story, we can choose to remain paralyzed or we can reach out and grab Jesus' hand and take that step off that mat, knowing he promises, I will never leave you or forsake you. And he will take us and he will walk with us and just say, yes, Lord, I want to get well. Here's my first offering, my first step. I love that. Okay. Well, As you took that practical first step and you began to walk forward from there, describe for me how God's word met you in practical ways as you started taking more steps forward. You know, I just started reading the Bible more. And what I, what I learned as I read the Bible more was the character of God. See, I thought I knew God. And I didn't because I didn't read the Bible. And the Bible reveals who God is, that he is God the healer, that he is El Roy, the God who sees me, that he is Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides for me. And as I began to realize who this God was and that he had these traits, these things that I could count on about him, I just... He just became much more than God to me. He became this person that mm-hmm. loves me and cares about me. I was exposed to Psalm 139, which just is the most beautiful psalm. If you ever feel that God doesn't love you and he doesn't understand, you can read through that psalm and just know how precious you are and that you're never out of his sight. So even in those hard places, God is with you and he loves you. And so as you began to read his word, How did you even know where to start to even find out about God's character? Because I'm thinking maybe there's somebody listening today who, I mean, the Bible is a huge book. Where to even begin? How did you find and figure out where to even begin? One of the ways that I began to realize who God is, is by taking the scriptures that I had already read on my own or that I learned from someone in my life who was coming alongside me or maybe a book that they had given me. It's taking what you're reading and then using the notes at the bottom or using a concordance in the back. So when I began to want to really be rid of my fear because I that even though practically I started to take great steps and great strides and not being so afraid and being able to ride elevators and all those things, mm-hmm. I was still just 
filled with fear and always on the edge, on the verge. And as I began mm-hmm. to want to study more about fear or whatever you might, yours might be anger, yours might mm-hmm. be forgiveness. Mm-hmm. I went to the back of my Bible and the concordance and I just found verses that addressed each of those things. And as I began to do all that, I joined a Bible study. And when I began to attend, I was so intimidated. to This was like a first real Bible study for me. So I was very intimidated because I did not, like I said, I, I was reading the Bible more for me to get stuff, you know, and I, and I was praying, God, heal me. God, help me not to be afraid anymore. Please help me not to be afraid. And, and so going into this Bible study, I just walked into that room feeling like everybody in there knew more than I did. And I was Mm -hmm. so intimidated. And my Bible study teacher, I had always thought was such an eloquent prayer and which she was, but then I began to realize that what she was really doing is praying scripture. And I had never really heard anybody. I probably had heard them, but I'd never really known that's realized. Yeah. And so what I did was all those verses that I had been pulling up sort of in my own time with God on fear that I had Mm -hmm. been just learning and repeating I began to just take for myself and began to personalize them, which is really praying them. And so what I did was, I'm just going to give you an example with a few so you can hear what I'm saying. But so Isaiah 41.10, it says, so do not fear for I am with you. So what I said is, so do not fear, Wendy, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God, Wendy. I will strengthen you and I will help you and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And then Psalm 23, 4, which a lot of people know this verse, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but I just prayed it differently. Instead of repeating it, I just prayed it for myself. I said, God, even though right now I am walking through this place of fear, this valley Mm. of shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you, God, are with with me. me. And then the one that really got to me, Jackie, was from Psalm 91, 4 through 6. And if, if you think about how I was so afraid all the time at night and during the day, this verse said, he will shield you with his wings. So I just started saying, God, you will shield me with your wings. You will shelter me. Your promises are my armor. And then I said, I don't need to be afraid of the dark anymore or fear the dangers of the day, nor dread the plagues of darkness or disasters in the morning. And the, all of a sudden, I just started realizing, oh my gosh, what I needed to be doing all this time was, what I was doing was saying, God, please take away my fear. Please take away my fear. Mm-hmm. And what I learned was God wanted me to partner with him. He wanted me yes. to, he tells us we're more than overcomers. In, in Romans eight thirty seven. you will be more than overcomers. And so part of being an overcomer is we have to overcome something ourselves with God's help. And I just began to pray these verses back to him like never before. I wrote them on yellow stickies. I put them where I could <laughs> I memorized them. And what happens is we begin to pray this living and active word of God. And his the Bible says he he honors his promises. So we we start praying those. So I did. And I'll tell you, after a while, I began to pray with such power and passion like I had never prayed Mm. before because they were memorized in my head, but they were also personalized down in my heart. And God's word tells us that we are to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. But the way that I 
interpret that as I've been studying the Bible over time is what that really means is every time a fearful thought comes, every time an angry thought comes, like mm-hmm. I want to yell at my family, right? every time any kind of thought comes that you know is not either pleasing to the Lord or from the Lord, then if you have this bank of scriptural promises mm-hmm. or truths about the character of God that you know you can count on who He is, you take that scripture or truth and you replace it so that you basically boot that thought of fear or anger out right. of your brain and out of your heart and you replace mm-hmm. it, you fill it with this truth or promise that you can claim and claim for yourself because God's word is this love letter written to you filled with these truths and promises for you to bring into your own life, fill your own bank up. And that's how we become transformed, transformed because his word says that we are transformed by the renewing Renewing of our our mind. Yes. And the only way we can renew our mind, and I think that might be Romans 12, one and two, but the only way we can renew our minds is by his word. That's what renews our minds. And that's what was happening to me, Jackie. And it was so powerful. And you don't have to be a Bible scholar. I was just this desperate part-time working mom who just wanted to be a better wife and a better mother and not live in this mess, this mud. Yeah. And now this was my way out. And it was because of God's word and because of his character that I knew that I could begin to trust him. So as I began to pray these words, one night my husband went out of town. I did all my routine I usually did. Um, put my kids to bed and turned on the TV. And as I was laying in the bed, it was as if I felt the spirit press upon me. When I say that, I mean, it's like, you know, you hear something in your gut, like, and it was turn the TV off. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I was like, turn the TV off. No, but I'll turn it down, but I'm not turning it (laughs) off because then I'll hear every word. And so finally I got up and I completely turned the TV off and I got back in my bed and I laid in my bed waiting for that fear to come that had been coming for 15 years. 15 years, I Mm. never felt comfortable staying by myself. And in that moment, all I felt was complete and total peace. Mm. And it was a feeling so foreign. Honestly, I couldn't remember having ever felt it before. Mm. But all I knew is in that moment, that fear was absolutely gone. And right in that minute, I saw this wall of angels. I've never had a vision of anything. And I don't mean like I could reach out and touch them, but there was just like this vision of a wall of angels around my house protecting me. Mm -hmm. And so remember earlier I told you I always called a friend when I stayed by myself. Yes. And that night I had called Meg. So before I even called my husband, I was so excited. I called Meg. And when I told her, she was so quiet and I... I interrupted my story and I go, I don't understand. Why are you not saying anything? And she said, Wendy, the reason I'm not saying anything is because as soon as Bill and I hung up the phone with you and you told us you were by yourself, he prayed for a wall of angels to be around Mm. your house. And in that moment, it was as if I knew that God didn't want me to be healed by the passage of time or any coincidences by giving me that vision of a wall of angels and having it confirmed by someone who I could have not known what they prayed at all. I'm not a mind Right, reader. right. I knew that I knew that I knew that this whole healing process was of the Lord. And 
It's it powerful. Is what, it opened the door for this ministry that I now have. I love that God opened the doors for me to publish books, and that's amazing and such a gift. But my heartbeat is to do what I'm doing today with you and to teach Bible study and Mm. to teach online Bible studies, Mm -hmm. because I want women to go from where I was, where I didn't even really, I had a Bible in my house and I didn't know very much about it to, to having the Bible be something that I would go to immediately every time something hard comes into my life and know that I know that I know that God has an answer for it. And for it to come alive and to be useful and practical yes. in your in your muddiest places, right? Exactly. Yes. So That's exactly what it's for. So if someone's listening today and that just sounds awesome to them, maybe they have been a victim of abuse. Maybe they have an addiction. Maybe they have some way that they've failed and they just feel like they are desperate for hope. You know, it might not be fear and anxiety like you talked of. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's um, depression. Something is holding them back and those thoughts come. And it sounds great, you know, to go to God because they believe in God and they even believe in the Bible, even though it might be a big intimidating book that they've never opened. And this practical way of replacing thoughts sounds compelling to them. But they don't know where to start. I mean, they don't know where to open or what to do or where where to go. Can you give them some guidance from your experience and from your expertise to make a recommendation? What can they do today to start to dispel those thoughts and replace them with the truth of who God is and the promises that he's made to us? The best advice... I can give is exactly what was given to me. And that is to just open. It sounds, I know it sounds hard and it sounds intimidating, but I promise you, God wrote the Bible for you. And so if you would just open it up, I can tell you places to begin. Psalm 139 is a beautiful place to begin. Romans like chapter eight is a beautiful place to begin reading in the Psalms because they're written many by David who had such difficult times with God. Mm -hmm. He cries out. He's angry at God. He doesn't understand. And as you begin to read it, that's how you'll become a little more comfortable with it. Mm -hmm. Every time you open the Bible, say, Lord, I invite you into this time as I open your Bible. Will you just speak to me? Mm-hmm. Would you just speak to me? Just invite him. He says, when you seek me with all your heart, you will find me in Jeremiah. He wants us to be in the word. And then just little by little, when I say go to the back of your Bible, you should have a Bible for yourself that in the back there's words. There's all sorts of words. And many of those words can be fear or anger or bitter or unforgiveness or forgiveness. And then you start there and you find the little scripture references. Mm -hmm. And then you write those out on a piece of paper. And you just, I can't tell you, but something will happen because nobody Mm -hmm. taught me how to do this. It just came a little bit at a time and you won't get comfortable with anything that you don't just open up and start to get, you don't get to have a best friend until you start to go spend time with your best friend. Right. You won't get comfortable with God and his word until you just spend a little bit of time in it. And I promise you, you will want more and more. And the other thing is there's a verse you and I talked about Isaiah 43 two. This is just mm. another promise. You see, God has these beautiful things, truths for us. It says in Isaiah 43, 2, when you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. You will not drown. I love that. 
And sometimes all you need from God, it isn't that you have to memorize or claim. Sometimes you just need the comfort of knowing him saying, I am with you and Mm -hmm. I am here. And I will not let you drown in these emotions, in these fears, in these financial crises that you might be in, it, whatever it is. Yeah. That's yours in my heart for everybody listening. Mm-hmm. It's, Absolutely. You, you just have to open it. And I know it seems scary to some people. Yeah. And some people have opened it and feel like they've not, that God hasn't done anything. He doesn't always act right away. You heard my story. 15 years I lived with mm-hmm. fear. It's a journey. Mm-hmm. It's a journey. Yeah. yeah. And I love that it's about being a active participant in our own healing, in our own recovery. And that simple prayer that you wrote about that you prayed so many years ago to just ask God, God, I commit this time to you. I'm going to read the words that you've put here for me. Just will you please just show me more of you to ask God, show us more of him and really surrendering our own agenda of how our healing is supposed to look. Because, you know, some of us like to control things, (laughs) you know, we like to have it all mapped out how it's going to go. And we're just sure that God has forgotten about us or can't love us because of something we've done or has abandoned us because of what's happened to us. And yet his perspective, because he is almighty God, creator of all things, his perspective, it could possibly be, is different from our perspective. And to surrender our agenda for his agenda, that takes a lot of humility and killing that pride, right? You want to speak to that a little bit? It is. And I think one of the hardest places to surrender that pride is in forgiving. Oh, you're Um, so right. And forgiveness and Mm -hmm. I had to do that. And God's word, that's another place. If if you look up forgiveness, you're going to learn that God is going to tell you, you cannot live with unforgiveness in your heart. Mm. And um, that's it, period. But Wendy, this is so hard. I mean, you know, you know, because when we, I'm just going to play devil's advocate for a minute. When we forgive someone that makes us feel like they're getting away with what they did, especially when they aren't even sorry. So how do we move from that place of angry resentment and and resistance towards being willing to forgive, even if our minds can believe that it's good for us to do it? It's not going to be an answer you're going to like to hear because it's the answer I didn't like to hear. But the (laughs) point is, forgiveness has to be a deliberate choice. And Mm. you and I, it, it comes to obeying the word of God. And that is so for years and years, I had a grandmother who loved Jesus more than anything else telling me until you forgive the man who raped you, you will never, ever be fully healed. And I would say to her, you have no right. I love you, grandma, but you have no right. You don't know what (laughs) was done to me and the horrible words that were said to me Mm -hmm. and the horrible things that were done. And she said, all I can tell you is God's Command to forgive has no ifs, ands, or buts for whatever's been done to you or whatever you've done to yourself. Forgiveness is not a choice in scripture. Mm. And that it's what you said. The bottom line, what we started is that pride in us that Mm -hmm. wants everything to be made right on both sides. Like, okay, I'll forgive if they'll say they're sorry too. They don't have to do it first. They just have to say they're sorry too. But you know, Jesus on the cross 
that was one of the biggest things to me when I really realized that on the cross, he forgave someone who could never do anything mm-hmm. for him. That man could never evangelize, never open the word of God, never do anything for the kingdom. But the moment that he said he was sorry, Jesus forgave him. Even if he had done been one of the biggest persecutors of Christ, we don't know if he was or wasn't, but Jesus forgave him and he forgave every person. He said, Father, forgive mm-hmm. them for they know not what they do. You see, this is the example we have. Yeah. And I'm not saying it's easy, but I can say that because it's the command of God that we forgive, the only way we receive full and complete healing all the way to the other side is to to offer that forgiveness. And I cannot tell you enough that when we do it, we're God is not asking us to seem like it never happened. He's not asking us to forget the hurt. And he's not asking us to continue to receive hurt from someone mm-hmm. who might still be alive. Absolutely. Yes, that's correct. That is not what it is at all. But what we need to ask ourselves is my feeling of unforgiveness. Is that controlling my life? Is it ruling my heart? Is it all I think about? Is it all I rationalize about? Mm-hmm. Is it, it, it? And if that's the place we are, that is unhealthy and it is not where God wants us and we will never take steps forward. And I can promise you that because I lived there a long time. Yeah. All God's asking us to do is hand over to him the responsibility for justice. Um, Hmm. now tell, let's talk a little bit about justice because we heard you tell your story and did they ever, were they ever able to prosecute the person who attacked you? Did they ever find any way to track him down? We, they found the knife and the gloves and everything, and they did not have fingerprints on them, but they saved everything. And years and years later, when I was in law school, when I learned about DNA evidence, which mm-hmm. does last, and I was really on a healing journey. This was when I was right. in Dallas, when I was in law school, when we went back, well, I contacted the DA's office and they had lost all my evidence. It was nowhere to be found. Ugh. My husband and I drove all the way down there. And I will tell mm. you, that's another moment. See, when we're on a journey of healing, mm-hmm. it isn't all roses. You know, there right. are hard times. And in that moment, when I sat in that police office and they said that, my anger at God was like, are you kidding me, God? Here, I thought for sure I was getting this education. I learned about this so we could go back and punish this person. So I'd have complete, res- you know, complete full circle resolution and justice. Right. Yeah. <sighs> but you see, it isn't. That isn't it. I mean, forgiveness is about us and God and our relationship with God and really has nothing to do with the other person. And that mm. forgiveness is so essential, not just for our right relationship with the Lord, but for our freedom and our joy and our peace, because it's not until we let go of it and let God, it's God's right to avenge and he will repay that we have to just let go and let that be God's responsibility. I love how you say forgiving means handing over to God the responsibility for justice. Mm-hmm. That that handing over, that really is not tightly holding on to that need for control and power, but to to let it go and let God God handle it. You know, that's what you're talking about. And yet 
that had to have been hard, Wendy. That, I mean, yes, you're reading about in God's word that, you know, he's forgiven us. He was the ultimate example and we're to forgive others. But when you have a lack of resolution, especially like in your situation, I mean, let's not, let's not minimize the, the incredible assistance that God must have given you to be able to do that. And that assistance comes in the form of once again, just praying the word of God and understanding what forgiveness is. See, before I never understood what it was. And once I understood that it's a command, it's something to obey despite my circumstances, then I will tell you, I, I, I write this in my book, but I will never forget when I sat on the sofa by myself in my house and finally forgave, and I spoke out, and I and I say this because it's so important, no matter mm. who you're upset with or why you're angry and can't forgive, if you one by one either write out or speak what you are forgiving someone for. I had never done that before. I just said, okay, Lord, help mm-hmm. me forgive this person. Okay, I forgive you. But if you speak every hurtful thing, whatever it is, whether a friend has betrayed you, a husband has walked out on you, a child older Mm -hmm. child is rebelling, whatever it is, if you just list one by one and you speak it, as I spoke those things, this, this cry, like I can't even explain. I just began to cry and tears flowed. And it's like they Mm. were cleansing tears. My Mm. chest was heaving. And it was as if when I was finished, this huge weight was just gone. And there is Mm. nothing, nothing like that kind of forgiveness because it's supernatural. You mm-hmm. have done it out of an obedient heart, out of love for God. Mm-hmm. And, and he meets you there. Yes, he did. And, and the other thing is forgiveness then becomes so much easier because you've now learned it and you've extended it in a huge way. Mm. And it's, it's also, I'm imagining as we begin in our journey of faith, as we begin to read God's word and learn about his character and his promises, we start to grasp the amazing, huge grace that God gives us that we don't deserve. It allows us to start becoming more like him in our journey, being able to be empowered to forgive and to extend grace in situations where we would want to not. And um, really, don't you think is a journey that God's taking us on no matter what he brings into our life of really conforming our character into what he knows we can be versus what our eyes imagine is possible? That's a really beautiful way to put it. And I, I think, too, that one thing I also didn't know before I started reading my Bible is that, that I'm created in God's image, mm-hmm. made to be like Him. And so the more and more that I conform myself or transform myself to be like that image that I'm created in, since that's who I'm made to be, that's when the most joy and peace mm-hmm. and fulfillment will come in life. And so we've been talking about going to God's word for for granting forgiveness or for uh, some issue in our life. But what I'd love to challenge um, everyone who's listening, because Jackie and I have prayed for every one of you who are listening today, and we believe with all our hearts that the Lord brought you here because he has a message for you Mm -hmm. and a sweet um, challenge that I would love to, to give is that if If you aren't comfortable with the Bible, or if you are, but especially if you're not, 
take 30 days, just take 30 Mm -hmm. days from today and open the Bible, whether it's one of the places we suggested you can go to, or you just just say your little prayer, your little invitation and open your Bible and just maybe read a chapter at a time of Mm -hmm. wherever you open. That's called abiding in Christ. And that just means you are spending time with God and his word. And there is no way that you will not, after spending 30 30, 30 days, whether you do it for two minutes one day and 20 minutes one day and five minutes another day, if you would just do that, I promise you, your your faith and your hunger for the word will um, multiply and grow and it will be beautiful. And God will meet you there. He will Absolutely. show He will show himself to you. And I'm sure we can link to some resources in the show notes, um, you know, and I can people can go to my website and find some recommended resources. Um, yeah, and, and there's some beautiful devotional books you can find at your Christian bookstore. Amazon.com has a ton of stuff. And there's also a website called BibleGateway.com, which allows you to search topics. And you can type in just like, Wendy, you could have typed in the word fear, and it will bring up all kinds of verses in the Bible that have that word in it. Um, and again, I do want to emphasize, you know, it's important as we grow in our Christian faith to really get into community and um, not do this journey with God alone, wouldn't you say, Wendy? Because we we can really learn from other people and people more experienced than us, not only through shared experiences, but in studying God's word, because we want to be careful not to take verses out of context. And so in time, we really need to understand the overarching story of God's word. But in the beginning, it's certainly acceptable and profitable to uh allow ourselves to begin to learn based on, around these topics that we can do word searches for. Right. And I, and that, that's, that was my growth came from doing it that way. Some people start their growth within a Bible study. And I think that you are so right. And there's two things you can do. Like on my website, I'd have a whole backlog of online Bible studies that I've done. There's probably seven or eight. That's a really oh, awesome unintimidating way to sort of jump into a Bible study and they have videos that go along with them. They're usually 10 to 15 minutes long. It's wendyblight.com. Okay. And, um, I would, the book hidden joy. I have one on there that goes through all the chapters. It's got questions. You don't even need to buy the book. You can just, it's an online study. That's a condensed version. So a lot of the stuff we've talked about today, you can do, but then there's also online Bible study communities. And I would love to, Oh yes. uh, Tell us about that because it's part of how we can find you and and be encouraged. Yeah. Proverbs 31 probably does five a year. And I serve on the online Bible studies team at Proverbs 31. Yeah, tell them what Proverbs 31 is, because maybe they've never even heard of that. We are a ministry that is now, gosh, an international ministry, but our little old offices are here in Matthews, North Carolina. And we, um, our purpose is just to reach out to women and bring help you bring peace and perspective to your busy lives. That's exactly why we exist. It's why I love it so much. But one of the arms of ministry, we have Compel, if you're interested in learning to write. But my favorite is our online Bible study. And it's free except for the purchase of the book. And you come on and we have this amazing community. You can get into a small group. And if you already love Bible study and you love small groups, we we have leadership, you know, to lead small groups. Yeah. 
So it's a great community because what Jackie said is so true. There's a time for us to learn and grow, be alone with the Lord and grow deeper in the word. But then there's, there's no, I have been teaching for 12 years, my Bible study here in Charlotte. And, mm-hmm. and I have had so much fun walking alongside women and watching them grow in the word. And now many of my girls are now leaders in the Bible study. We've grown and Yeah. And grow in the word just means to grow in our knowledge and understanding of the Bible. Yeah, exactly. Oh, well, I'm excited. I hope many people check that out because the work you all are doing there is just amazing and it's touching so many lives. And I can't be more excited for how God is really expanding your ministry and how he's expanding the reach of people getting involved in learning about his, his word and his message that he's written His really his love letter to us, like you said. So Wendy, I'm so thankful that you joined us today. It really has been my honor to listen and hold your story close to my heart as I read your book. And as I heard you tell me yourself, I just can't thank you enough for all those years ago, being willing to take that step off the mat, because look what God's done. Look how he's using you and the lives that can meet him because of your story. And I'm just so thankful. So thank you so much. Well, and thank you too, Jackie. You know, you you have a real gift for being able to pull out the important truths. Um, I've listened to some of your other your other interviews, and you just do a great job. And it's really, I know there's lots of people you could choose to do this, and I'm so I'm just so grateful and thankful you allowed me this opportunity. So loved it. Okay, well, we will talk soon. And again, have an amazing day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, that's all for this episode. And I'm so thankful for Wendy and all that she shared. And if you aren't accustomed to reading the Bible and you want to start, may I encourage you to go to the show notes for this episode at JackieWatkins.com forward slash episode 42. And there you are going to find links to all the resources that Wendy and I talked about in this conversation, including some books and resources, some Bibles and other kinds of things that will get you started. There's a link to my resource page on my blog that has all kinds of things there for you. And also on Wendy's website, I've linked to her Bible studies and all the things on her page. So check that out if you're interested in in doing that. And I really hope you'll take Wendy up on her challenge, just 30 days. Even if you just read one verse every day for 30 days, You know, I think doing that and reading the Bible and praying and asking God to really show you more of who he is. And I just know from experience that God will meet you there in your willingness and it really will be a beautiful thing. So uh, if this episode ends up being life changing for you, or even if it makes some small, you know, impact on your life. Wendy and I would sure love to hear from you. You know, maybe you felt God nudging you to spend more time getting to know him. Maybe there's fear or anxiety that's paralyzing you. Is shame controlling you? Do you feel not worthy of love, even from God? Is there someone maybe that you need to forgive today? Do you maybe need to sit down like Wendy did and write out all the things that were done to you and speak them out loud and say, I forgive and just fill in the blank for doing and fill in the blank and just speak out loud that you are choosing 
forgiveness. You know, Wendy described that that was so powerful for her, emotional, but powerful. And God will meet you in your willingness to do what's right. And he will help set your heart free from that bitterness and unforgiveness that has been controlling you for so long. You know, Wendy and I don't want that for you. And God doesn't want that for you. And so, you know, do you long to feel God's love for you? Because I think reading about who he is and just opening your Bible, no matter how daunting it might seem, you, I think, will be surprised at what will happen. And for those of you who do read your Bible on a daily basis, I'm sure you're sitting wherever you are listening right now, whether you're driving or walking or running or whatever it is you're doing, maybe you're cleaning, uh, whatever it is, I'm sure you're nodding your head furiously because you know from experience how when we open God's word and we read what he says to us, it becomes alive and active in our lives and it really is life changing. And so maybe you could join me today in praying for those who are hearing this podcast and really want to make that change. I'd appreciate so much. Wendy and I would appreciate you partnering with us to pray for those people who really want and desire to meet God in an amazing way. So please know Wendy and I are praying for you today that as you ask God to show himself to you, as you choose to open your Bible and read it, we're praying that you will really begin to know God's love in a way that you never ever have before. And again, we'd love to hear from you or interact with you either in the comments on this post, JackieWatkins.com forward slash episode 42, or you can send us an email or reach out to us on Twitter or Facebook. All the links are there. Don't forget, you can get a free audiobook today by going to mudstoriesbook.com. And also, there is a free app for this podcast, and you can find that at JackieWatkins.com forward slash Apple app or JackieWatkins.com forward slash Android app. And so as always, no matter what you're facing, no matter where you've been or what lies ahead for you today or this very week, may you find always a grateful song to sing. Have a beautiful day. Never in mother feels a press upon my mind I pull the shame that leaves me a little bit blind I cannot see beyond the blame And I never will find a way out And then I feel you next to me You lift my head to see Your strong arm reaches to me Your mercy floods my tired soul as you lift me out of my muddy hole. You wash me up with your sweet grace and you lead me to a safer place again. I never in you, mother, feels a press upon my that leaves me a little bit blind I cannot see beyond the blame And I never will find a way out And then I feel you next to me You lift my head to see 
His strong arm reaches to me. Your mercy floods my tired soul as you lift me out of my muddy hole. You wash me off with your sweet grace and you lead me to a safer place. You overwhelm my broken thoughts and you mend my lost and damaged heart. I find myself where I belong in your safe a grateful song to sing, a grateful song to sing, a grateful song.